When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Come on, the doors are on back. Ah, what the? Is there a door behind all those spiders? <laughs> it's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. <sighs> look at how many spiders there aren't. Where should we lie down for eight consecutive hours first? Relax, you booked a Verbo. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. With Marcus Parks. How are you, Marcus? I'm good, Ben. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. So before the show started, Marcus was saying you've been doing research for a, a good week now. Your your nose is in the books. Oh, yeah, man. I got a couple of things cooking. Well, you have missed a bunch of adults acting like children. <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting what's happening in the world right now. Still? Yes, yeah, still. <laughs> Believe it or not, no one has grown up. But you know, Donald, he's only 70. Oh. <laughs> he's a young 70, and he can grow up one day. And, of course, Stephen Colbert as well uh, is in the news as well. We'll get to the Comey hearing today. He interviewed. Uh, he was uh, speaking in Washington talking about uh, information porn was mm. a term that he just coined uh, today about WikiLeaks and how it's not protected under the First Amendment because uh, it's not really press. It's more, again, information porn, which is a horrible new thing that we have to have now in our dialogue. <laughs> so he's saying that uh, So he's comparing. I think por- he means he, wa- he reads WikiLeaks yeah. and gets hard. I think that's what that means. I'm not quite sure, though. I don't know. Is it like the Supreme Court definition of porn? Like, I'll know it when I see it? That I, type of thing? I guess so. saying that it's informational obscenities? Well, he was trying to balance out how we, of course, we have to have a very strong First Amendment. We have to protect the freedom of speech and the uh, the freedom of the press and how WikiLeaks goes above and uh, does not uh, necessarily have to... Uh, uh, adhere, adhere to the First Amendment because, again, it is information porn. They just dump out information without fact checkers and uh, mm-hmm. and backup, uh, you know, uh, resources and things like that. So he doesn't think it's covered under the First Amendment. Basically, just another indication that the U.S. government will probably be seeking charges against Julian Assange mm-hmm. and uh, and be dragging him in this country so we can have a super expensive trial that costs the taxpayers millions and millions of dollars for nothing at all. Um, okay, so Stephen Colbert. Uh, this was the big news uh, in the conservative movement. There's a hashtag on Twitter. Remember when the conservatives called everybody snowflakes and still call everybody snowflakes? Oh, it's one of their favorites. It is one of their favorites. Well, they got really upset. But didn't they get so mad? They got upset because Donald <laughs> Trump, the, it all started with Donald. I can't, By the way, this sounds more like Page 7, uh, the great <laughs> entertainment show that you and Jackie Zabrowski, along with Thank Molly Neffel, do, uh, as opposed to politics. But um, Donald Trump... He offended the uh, the main man behind uh, CBS News, and he said, "You know, the, you know that show, Face the Nation." Mm-hmm. He called it "Deface the Nation." Oh my God! And then everyone got mad. And then Stephen Colbert said uh, uh, this about Donald Trump. This was in Stephen Colbert's monologue on Monday night. You talk like a sign language gorilla that got hit in the head. Huh. Oh, look! And you know, if you think about it, he does. <laughs> In fact, the only thing your mouth is good for is being Vladimir Putin's cock holster. (laughs) Uh, And then a lot of people on the right, they could not deal with that joke. Quite frankly, not the best joke of all time. No. Although, you know, cockholster is a funny thing to say. It's a funny uh, thing to say. But it's, yeah, it's not the best joke, but it's still... It's, it's a- no deface the nation. <laughs> 
<laughs> but for- you know what, Ben, political correctness is out of control? It's out of control. So speaking of political correctness being out of control, that's a, a, a usually uh, a trope of the uh, far right wing. Uh, they got super offended. They took to Twitter like all the tweens in the world, <laughs> and they said, hashtag fire Colbert. Meanwhile, our president uh, is still grabbing vaginas in the White House. So... <laughs> That is fine. You have no ground to stand on uh, regarding rhetoric being used against the president when the president himself is on um, is on many microphones saying many, many more horrendous things. And again, I've been on microphones saying horrendous things for years. Hmm? I'm not holding that against Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, that's the best part about the damn guy. Um, but you can't then turn it and be like, Stephen Colbert made fun of him. Mm-hmm. Technically, Stephen Colbert should be the one making those jokes and should be the one saying those words because he's a comedian. Yeah. Uh, the president probably shouldn't be. So that's this uh, week's um, ridiculously stupid Twitter scandal that uh, means absolutely nothing, will go nowhere, and uh, Colbert's ratings will go up, and people who support Donald Trump will support him more than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's get on to some more serious news, because the fact that that covered so much of this week's news cycle is just a indication of how the media loves to keep people in this country absolutely stupid well not just stupid but also likes to keep us fighting against each other oh absolutely i mean this whole thing got so blown out of proportion yeah it got blown out of proportion it's like every single time something like this happens they say there was a deluge of hashtags on twitter and in reality it's like i don't know 15 20 people uh but the news media they can go in and they can cherry pick all these tweets and they can say look at all these people that are outraged about this and so it creates even more outrage because People say like, oh, wow, they were outraged about that. I am now offended about that. Where in, in reality, if the news media hadn't covered it, it wouldn't have been a story at all. But because right. the news media covers it, it gives it even more uh, weight and therefore it becomes a bigger story than it actually should be. That's how right. all this. Uh, every time you see a fucking report on social media, like some sort of like social media um, scandal, right. it's always five people that are pissed off and then the news media blows it up and turns it into a hundred thousand everyone's a little walter cronkite sitting in dirty undies that's all they are <laughs> on social media and another reason why this came out of stephen colbert's mouth and why this uh, joke uh, existed in the first place on his show of course which is on cbs it's john dickerson uh he is the host of face the nation and uh, he was also he was asking donald trump about uh the wiretaps and stuff like that well in the oval office donald trump refused to ask and basically just kicked him out so you know it's it's cbs's comedic response uh to that oh yeah isn't that the one where uh, the guy asked him a question and trump went and hid behind his desk yeah i think you had to play with some trucks or something <laughs> which by the way i mean we had Anthony Atamanik on a few oh. shows ago. Oh, man, that time flew, man. I think it's been two or three months ago. Oh, longer than that. Um, and uh, that show that he's doing on Comedy Central right now is really great. The- he's doing such a good job of capturing the soul of Donald Trump. Unlike that show, uh, That's My Bush, uh-huh. which was v- uh, fairly lighthearted, it ended after 9-11 because, believe it or not, people did not want to make fun of the sitting U.S. president quite as much as they did before 9-11. Mm-hmm. And it is funny. If you can find episodes of That's My Bush out there, it's very funny. It's very slapstick. It's yeah. very on the surface. It's a parody. It's yeah. a total parody. Yeah. Because and- at that point in America, 
America, but George W. Bush was just kind of an aft bull, like, I don't know, guess I'm president now. Well, absolutely, and that also plays into why his approval ratings were in the mid-50s within his first 100 days, regardless of the fact that he didn't win the popular vote. Uh, all the things that went wrong in Florida, or right for George W. Bush, wrong for democracy, and of course the fact that the Supreme Court uh, basically way overstepped their uh, their grounds and put somebody in the White House, mm-hmm. which is quite insane. Despite all of that, <laughs> W is still charming enough to be over 50% and fairly well over. Well, I think the difference between That's My Bush and uh, the President show is that That's My Bush is like, well, I guess this guy's president now. And we don't and, hate him necessarily. Yeah, and we don't hate him. It's like, well, I, I guess he's president. I guess this will be all right. And with the President show, it's like, can you fucking believe this guy is president? It's shocking. And of course, uh, for all there are some people right now trying to push and make W. Bush seem to be a lighthearted, fun guy. Uh, don't forget, he's the reason we're in uh, the longest war in U.S. history. He had the worst foreign policy in uh, in U.S. history and uh, was probably one of the worst presidents uh, in U.S. history. So yeah. don't be fooled by the fact that he can't get a parka over his head. <laughs> and we all agree he is mildly adorable. And yeah. it's just unfortunate he surrounded himself with Rumsfeld, Cheney, uh, Ashcroft, uh, these real uh, aggressive war hawks who at the end of the day brought a nation into a personal feud. And that feud was, of course, with Saddam Hussein. Absolutely. But the president show is uh, some of the best political satire that's been around in decades. It's a fa- I mean, it's beyond fantastic it really is beyond fantastic so check that out on comedy central and anthony atamanik he could not be a better guy so we're so proud of him and we're so proud to once again break great talent you're an able all we do is break the biggest stars that's it that's us man you know um i want to talk a little bit about this story it didn't get too much press uh this is about the democrats they are pushing to limit donald trump's use of nuclear weapons um and uh, i have to say quite frankly i'm not against them uh, going forward with this sort of uh, strategy. Uh, As tensions build with North Korea, Democratic lawmakers say they are increasingly concerned with President Trump's finger, little finger, (laughs) on the nuclear trigger and want to pass a law prohibiting him from striking without congressional approval. Now, Marcus, I'm surprised that the president wouldn't have to have congressional approval to use the most catastrophic weapon in human history. Don't you think this would be something where we want to go through our checks and balances and, you know, dot our I's and cross our T's and make sure we need to use a nuclear weapon? I think, and I'm not 100% sure here, but I think if the president decides to use nuclear weapons, it takes four minutes. That's it. That the well, president- that's reassuring. That, I just took a <laughs> sip of water. I was like, what? And I just did a spit take. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's from the time of the president authorizing a nuclear strike until that missile pops out of that silo or nuclear submarine right. or what have you. Um, th- yeah, it's it's about four minutes. Uh, but that is a, that was put into place uh, because, you know, of course, during the Cold War days, right. we were all uh, afraid that Russia was going to have some sort of sneak attack on sure. America. So there were protocols put in place where the president could retaliate without having to go through congressional approval. And that that's a policy. It's a long-standing foreign policy. It's a little bit more muddled now because there's no longer two superpowers, obviously with China coming up and, uh, you know, all these other nations that are sort of vying for... Uh, you know, more power in the world, uh, mutually assured destruction. It's very commonly mm-hmm. referred to as MAD, obviously. And basically, yes, uh, th- this sort of uh, held both uh, nations at bay for a very long time, sort of like, uh, you know, the end of the movie The Thing, which, by the way, I did read. <laughs> uh, it turns out uh, not uh, not Russell's character, but the fellow that he was with in there. Mm-hmm. He was the thing. He was the thing. Yeah, I read it. I read an article. It's not a spoiler. It's on the internet. <laughs> and uh, and uh, oh my goodness, the name of the director? Uh, Carpenter. Carpenter. He's like, yeah, look closely. He's not breathing. 
and uh, he's not sweating ah. or whatever it was. Yeah, but either yeah, way, yeah. he's the thing. So that's kind of fun. Cool. But, but there was sort of a stalemate <laughs> at the end of that, and that theoretically kept uh, peace be- between uh, the Soviet Union and uh, this great United States of ours. So hence, mutually assured destruction. But again, now that, that policy uh, has sort of shifted a little bit. Um, and of course, uh, you had the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was unbelievably uh, fortunate that we did not have an exchange of nuclear uh, arsenal because uh, both people... People on either ships, both uh, of the commanders on either ships are captains, I believe. Captains. Uh, they could fire at will, mm-hmm. and they chose not to. So uh, cooler heads prevailed. Thank God there was no uh, Trumpian-like minds on those vessels. Otherwise, we might not be speaking into these microphones to your beautiful brain today. Um, so this goes on regarding Donald Trump and uh, congressional approval for nuclear weapons. This is sort of spearheaded by Senator Ed Markey. He's a Democrat out of Massachusetts, and he says, we do not trust him with our nuclear weapons arsenal, which I have to say, Marcus, that's quite an indictment of the United States uh, president. I mean, this is kind of one of those... Uh, uh, very significant tests. This is sort of the standard that most people, when running for president, have to prove uh, they're able to handle nuclear weapons uh, and not be, uh, you know, so uh, flippant or or, uh, or emotionally unstable or uh, reactionary to not handle the the nuclear codes. And this didn't really stick to Donald Trump in the 2016 primary. And we'll talk about Hillary's 2016 election. And we'll talk about Hillary's uh, conversation she had this week as well regarding the 2016 campaign. Uh, Donald Trump was saying some very bombastic, insane things about why can't we have small nuclear blasts in Europe? (laughs) That's not off the table. You know, things that really should have sparked a little red light in people's minds and been like, this guy is not mentally stable to be president or have the nuclear. Coats. People just kept pushing that away uh, because that was something that we here on this show yeah. uh, would hammer again and again. Like, I just think of the power that this man is going to have at his disposal. Four minutes away. That's it. That's what kind of power we're handing to this man. I mean, at the very minimum, uh, a president, we should be able to just say, like, okay, well, no matter what, we still trust you with the nukes. Like, we sure. don't, at least, that's it. You know, no matter what, I don't agree with your policies. I don't necessarily Absolutely. like what you're doing here. But at the bare minimum, we trust you to not kill us all. And I do yeah. not trust, neither do many Americans and many people across sure. the world, trust Donald Trump with that awesome responsibility. I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And this is, you know, there is going to be a whole, there's going to be like, you know, like um, uh, lead poisoning in schools. There were generations that had certain issues with their blood or maybe mm-hmm. they had some mental Ill, uh, illnesses. There's going to be people who live through the Trump presidency. And when we're like 65, a doctor's going to look at our hearts and be like, you had four years of Trump, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, we see this coming through a lot. You got a fatty layer of stress that your heart built up over four years under President Trump. Um, because it really does weigh on the American people yeah. heavily. And, of course, now with the tensions between the United States and North Korea ratcheting it up uh, because of Donald Trump and his tweets, despite the fact that Donald Trump also then tweeted that he would like to meet with Kim Jong-un. Uh, he's meeting with uh, Durate as well, the horrible uh, the the leader of the Philippines who just massacres people on a regular basis. Okay. He throws the, his enemies from, air, from helicopters. Which is kind of cool. Uh, again, if it wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Um, but then, of course, uh, you know, theoretically, that guy would still be the villain in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, not be someone invited to the White House to go meet with a sitting United States president. Uh, and, of course, Durate kills everybody because of his perverted vision of the war on drugs, mm-hmm. which is actually something that Donald Trump has praised him for. Donald Trump has praised a lot of strong men across the world 
and it's extremely bizarre the bedfellows that he is deciding uh, to court. Uh, it really makes no rational sense whatsoever. It makes perfect sense. He's going for other villains. I suppose I mean, he that, is. That's what it is. He's he's going for people that he looks at. He sees something in them that he likes and that he wants to be near. Uh, something well, that he respects because he respects shit like that. He respects people like Duarte and Putin. Uh, people who don't take no shit. You know, well, thin-skinned dickheads. In other words. He respects people who come from governments and uh, from political uh, philosophies that he wishes that he had because if he did have those, then the press would go away and he would be allowed to be the maniac leader that he wants to be so badly. Well, every day he has some, not every day, but hell, every week just about, he has some sort of uh, statement about how he wishes the Constitution would go away, about yes, how there course. are very archaic rules. They uh, are that there, are, there are many things that are keeping us from doing what we want to do. It's like, yeah, motherfucker. It's called checks and balances. That's America. That is That's America. what we are. That's who we are. We have checks and balances on each other. That's one of the reasons why America is where it is and what it is. Is because and of those systems. And the other countries don't have that, and that's why they are not America. And they're able to murder a heck of a lot more of their adversaries. Um, so uh, Ed Markey continues on. He says, we do not want him to use nuclear weapons first in, in the North Korean standoff. Uh, not just there in Korea, but all across uh, the planet. Markey is uh, joined by Representative Ted Lieu of California, and introduced they introduced the Restricting First Use of Nuclear Weapons Act in January. Of course, first use means it wouldn't be a retaliatory strike, so I would assume written in with this law, which I have not read, and full, full disclosure, I didn't read this boring law, um, <laughs> but I would assume uh, the rules behind mutually uh, assured destruction would still apply if we're fired upon. Obviously, the president doesn't have time uh, to go to Congress, and he's got to make a very quick decision. Now, of course, uh, he's tweeting again, as I just mentioned, to meet with Kim Jong-un, which would break all precedent uh, when it comes to the United States foreign policy and North Korea. His people behind him are absolutely scratching their heads because every single morning uh, they wake up and they think they're going to get to him before he tweets. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, I'm at the Oval Office at 430, and they look at their phones, and he's up at 428, and he already got the tweet out. <laughs> like, God damn it. Someone just needs to stay with him forever. Um but these concerns are made even more real because, of course, of what we just saw in Afghanistan, what was it, last week or the week before, where supposedly 90 ISIS fighters uh, were killed in their caves when they dropped the Moeb, the mother of all bombs, the strongest bomb, until the nuclear bomb. It's basically the strongest bomb that we have that isn't a, that isn't a nuclear bomb. And uh, so you wonder, where does he go from here? It's always bigger and better. And they started with damn near the biggest thing you can get, um, which is causing a lot of people to have, as we were just discussing, concern for his uh, frame of mind and for his perspective and for his regard for human life. And we just don't know if he has it because he's never shown regard for human life throughout his entire history. He's been uh, predatory in all forms, uh, whether whether it be uh, casinos, uh, fake universities. Stakes. Uh, stakes. Those stakes are horrible. <laughs> They're hockey puck stakes. Horrible stakes. I guess uh, his son has some fairly good wine. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess if you drink enough of anything, it tastes fine. Um, and then, of course, uh, with, his, uh, with his apartment complexes. He's always been very predatory. Garnering goodwill from humans uh, is not something that's on the forefront of his mind. And at the end of the day, uh, the bottom line is profit. And you know, for a fact, there are some people with uh, more nefarious desires that wouldn't mind seeing a nuclear uh, attack occur because at the end of the day, war is big money. And uh, the people in that company and in that industry would make billions and billions and billions of dollars. That's a hell of a gamble for them. Uh, yeah, it doesn't sound good. 
Um, so, yes, restricting first use of Nuclear Weapons Act, and uh, they held a press conference on Wednesday to say the petition drive backing their bill has reached 500,000 signatures. The bill, part of a spate of anti-Trump legislation Democrats have written, would require a president to get authorization from Congress before delivering an offensive nuclear strike. Backers to the chances of a war with a nuclear power have increased with North Korea's saber-rattling and Mr. Trump's responses to it. And this is what Markey had to say about this. As his comments become more erratic and inconsistent on the use of nuclear weapons, we think it's imperative for the United States Congress to reclaim its constitutional authority to have the power to determine whether or not these nuclear weapons are used first against any country. So I have to give the, uh, the Democratic Party a little bit of uh, credit here. Um, this is something that, uh, in my opinion, has been totally swept under the rug with all the Colbert nonsense and all the other, um, you know, all the other sideshow stuff like Melania Trump. She liked to tweet uh, on Twitter. She wasn't supposed to like making fun of her in the wall. I don't care. None of that stuff matters. Uh, it really is. This is the biggest issue, um, in my opinion, of the week, as opposed to rehashing the 2016 campaign, which we'll have to do here in a second. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is uh, members of Congress openly uh, admitting that they have no faith in their president as far as uh, the use of nuclear weapons go. This is unprecedented. And we never saw this under Obama. We never saw this under Bush. Uh, we never yeah. saw this any, uh, under any president that I can think of. Not even Gerald Ford, who I've decided is my favorite president. Gerald Ford? Why not? Old Jerry? Yeah, I like him. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it really is interesting. I mean, no, no matter what uh, the Republicans said about Obama, you know, they were obstructionists. They absolutely hated what he was doing for eight years. Him, him having the ability to destabilize the world in that way uh, was never a concern to people. And all these presidents do have that ability, again, with the nuclear codes. But now we're actually seeing a president who is worrying enough individuals where they feel the need uh, to uh, to push a bill like this. And again, they got almost... Uh, they got 500,000 uh, signatures on it. And judging from a lot of the conservatives when they talk about Donald Trump, specifically the, you know, the, the war-minded individuals um, on the right, they don't trust him with foreign policy either. No. They're completely upset. I mean, uh, John McCain came out regarding the uh, tweet uh, about wanting to meet with Kim Jong-un. I mean, the guy could not be more livid. I don't think he's going to survive this thing. Um, because of how upset Donald Trump is making him. And a lot of people on the right who voted for Donald Trump are happy to see John McCain be upset and Lindsey Graham be upset and the Democrats be upset. But at the end of the day, if a foreign policy, if he has a foreign policy that does um, that does allow for the use of nuclear weapons, they're not going to be thrilled with the world that comes from that. There's more to life than just pissing other people off. you got to find something that makes you actually happy. And I think at some point uh, people are going to have to realize that um, this is just to finish up this little Washington Times article. During the campaign, Mr. Trump said that he would uh, be the last to use nuclear weapons, but also said he wouldn't rule it out as a matter of U.S. policy. He has at times also signaled a willingness to allow wider proliferation of weapons, uh, which is, of course, completely counterintuitive to his tear it up stance uh, regarding the Iran deal. This is new to us uh, because we're, you know, in our mid 30s, we by the time we kind of came of age and started being conscious of the world around us uh, as a whole, the Berlin Wall had fell. Uh, That's the, Hasselhoff the, rocked it down. <laughs> I was told that David Hasselhoff did it. Is that wrong? I mean, he was a part. Hmm. Let, let's say he might Honestly, have taken down a couple of chunks. David Hasselhoff and Ronald Reagan's amazing speech 
they had the exact same significance. It was all done <laughs> with uh, diplomacy, but then both of them were just like, I took down the wall with I my did. words. I'm kind of a superhero like that. I took down the wall. So stuff like nuclear war has never really been at the forefront of our minds. I don't remember ever thinking about nuclear war. You didn't no. think about it during the first Bush, during no. Clinton. You never thought about it during George W. Bush. I mean, even after <clears throat> 9-11, you never thought about nuclear war. You never thought about anything like that. You never no. thought about it during Obama. And suddenly, within the first 100 days, days of this presidency, yeah. uh, we are worrying about nuclear war, and this isn't some sort of manufactured worry. This isn't something that we've worked ourselves up into. We worry about it because of the things that he has said. We worry sure. about it because of statements that he has made both during the campaign and during the first 100 days of his presidency. This is not something that we are making up here. There's evidence no, for our worry. There's well, cause for worry here. Well, and of course, that you know that comes down to uh, Mike Pence and, uh, and the Trump administration uh, choosing to go against this, this notion of strategic patience, uh, which has been the U.S. foreign policy regarding the North Koreans, pretty much the entire Kim dynasty, um, because we just don't know what the hell to do with them at the end of the day. Yeah. And so we just kind to keep on giving them a carrot and we haven't given them uh, much of a stick i mean their people are already starving and uh, uh, kim jong-un now much like his uh, father ill uh, doesn't really seem to care uh, mm-hmm. that much about that so what do you do when you have an actor who is totally irrational with zero concern uh, for the constituents of his nation it's very difficult to um uh, you know, to, to do anything uh, regarding diplomacy because, I mean, unless you starve Kim Jong-un himself, and I believe if you took away a lunch, his foreign policy would totally change and would probably <laughs> embrace the United States. But so I do understand uh, the, the North Korean foreign policy is extremely complex yeah. and uh, it, it, very difficult uh, to deal with, of course, with the South Koreans being right there. They're an inch away from each other and the South Koreans being such a staunch U.S. ally with all of our bases uh, within uh, striking distance of these really pretty prehistoric missiles that uh, that the North Koreans have. Uh, but, you know, we're seeing uh, Donald Trump just completely overwhelmed, and this is why he says that being president is harder than he thought, because he just didn't realize the nuances and the ins and outs of relationships as complex as the ones that we have with North Korea. I mean, this is uh, this is like, if you're a family court judge, this is like... the. <laughs> The man slept with the girl's sister, and now the sister's <laughs> sleeping with the man's brother, and you got to work it all out because the kids need a home to go. Well, Trump's reaction to North Korea actually, I think, goes right back to your theory that North Korea is like a cult. Uh, oh, it because is. cults need an adversary. Cults need somebody to point to and say, look, they are coming for you. We, totally. we were right. Look, they are actually coming now. And Trump is putting himself into the position to be that adversary, which we see that again and again in That's, cults, is that when they have... Yeah. When the adversary is in place, that signals to the Trump, that signals to the cult leader that it is time to ratchet shit up a notch. But then you have, yes, I agree. That's one day. One day we're going to go after the North Koreans. Uh, Then the next day he wants to meet with Kim Jong-un. So it's just so confusing. And, um, you know, these idiots, I don't even want to say the word idiot because that's like mean, but... These people who have tried to um, proclaim that Donald Trump is playing 4D chess are just... It is really mind-boggling. There is no rhyme or reason between what he is doing, uh, between his brain and his tweets. It is 
simply reactionary thoughts that he has, just like he had with Andrew Jackson, saying that Andrew Jackson, who died, I believe it was 13, maybe 14 years before the Civil War, saying that Andrew Jackson would have somehow avoided the Civil War. Andrew Jackson, and I'm not even one of these guys who was just like, we must demonize everybody and throw all the founding fathers uh, away for the horrific actions uh, of the past. I mean, it was a different time. It was hellacious what they did. Uh, slavery was the worst institution in this country's history, and that's why I'm so concerned about prison uh, reform and criminal justice reform, because again, I still believe it's, it, it exists on our land and on our soil. Andrew Jackson had 150 slaves. Uh, in no way would he have gone to war in order to end slavery, and the argument that the Civil War, which is true, was about money, and was about uh, you know uh, you know businesses and states rights states rights but it was what do you think where's the money coming from <laughs> it was all the free yeah. freaking labor yeah. so it's like people are just like it wasn't about slavery it was about it was about the monetary system I'm like those things yeah. are pretty hand in hand what do you think they were doing just fluffing everyone <laughs> for crying where do you think the products were coming from that the industries were using to yeah. sell their goods for cheap now I guarantee oh, the set the, the over I guarantee you the the Venn diagram between people who think that Trump is playing 40 chess and people who think that 9/11 was an inside job is mm. almost a circle because I think Maybe. it's <laughs> because it's the same kind of thinking it's people that cannot stand to think that the world is chaos to think that everything is out of control uh, to think that the people in charge don't really know what they're doing they need to believe that the people in charge know what they're doing even if it's evil but suddenly they've got somebody they've got their guy in charge donald trump is in charge and so they think that the person in charge is good and knows what he's doing despite all of the evidence to the contrary well a couple of people are still sticking with him i suppose um well let's go on to the 2016 campaign hillary clinton came out of the i guess the woodwork for uh for lack of a better term, to use the she came out of the proverbial woodwork, out of the woods and onto the stage here. She does she has been doing a lot of walking in the woods there. She has, uh, and and, more, and rightfully so. Why the hell not? Yeah, good for her, man. I yeah, kind of get the feeling she's been wanting to walk in the woods for quite a few years now. Quite a few I years. Think she likes the woods, and uh, you know, of course, she had so many flaws in uh, in her campaign. We all know that. We talked about that for about eighteen months straight. <laughs> um, she just gave a speech, and uh, this was uh, she told an interviewer this Tuesday she was she was winning the presidential election until FBI Director James Comey announcement, uh, until the announcement about her campaign's emails and the release on WikiLeaks. This is her exact quote. I was on my way to winning until the combination of Jim Comey's letter on October 28th and Russian WikiLeaks raised doubt in the minds of people who were inclined to vote for me but got scared off. Um, of course, again, the WikiLeaks, uh, they did not tell her not to campaign in certain swing states that she should have been in the entire time. She should have been in Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, we, we can go on and on about all that, but we have talked about that ad nauseum. Uh, but it is interesting if you look at what happened uh, regarding the Trump uh, the pussy grabbing thing. Yeah, Access Hollywood. Access Hollywood. <laughs> so after uh, the uh, the Access Hollywood uh, grab him by the pussy tape that Donald Trump had uh, with uh, with Billy Bush, that same it wasn't the same night, but about a couple of hours later, that's when the WikiLeaks came out. Uh, regarding Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. So this thing, it was obviously, you know, sort of a, a connection uh, between, and, and James Comey has admitted uh, as much, for, without a doubt, the Russians finagled, I suppose, uh, in the election, and that wasn't on accident. And, of course, mm -hmm. it wasn't on accident uh, that, uh, that the uh, leaked tapes of Access Hollywood came out uh, when they did. As well, I mean, obviously that was a, that was a Clinton administration, uh, a, a Clinton campaign maneuver, and then uh, Donald Trump came in with the WikiLeaks thing, and it was just the most disgusting presidential election we've ever had. 
Um, and of course, then Hillary Clinton, and this is sort of the statement that has been getting her a lot of the negative um, press on you know social media and all these places. She says, if the election had been on October 27th, I would be your president, which is kind of an infuriating line because that's like you just, but it's not. <laughs> that's not how elections if work. They, like, like every single kicker that's ever missed a kick, like uh, what, oh, what's the name of the the Buffalo Bills kicker? He's like, if the, if the uh, you know, if the goalposts were just like two feet wider, I would make that kick. So like, yeah, but it doesn't work that way. You got to go until the end. Yeah. And I think she could have still rebounded. And um, also James Comey talking uh, uh, today uh, at his hearing, discussing how there were emails from the Clinton campaign sent to the Anthony Weiner computer, which is why, of course, uh, this came out in the first place. That's why James Comey reopened the investigation to just kind of shut it. Yeah, I, I don't firm, firmly understand why he t- uh, chose to go to Congress uh, and address it in that way. Uh, however, I think that there is a little bit of uh, lack of taking personal responsibility. Hillary did take some personal responsibility, but I think she's missing the, the broader point. The analytics and the data that they were using lacked humanity. And politics, at the end of the day, are about people. And she just didn't go to where they were. And I think people would have just loved to hear her economic plan. And if you interview individuals in Michigan, uh, they didn't know. No, they still didn't know. And all Donald Trump did was give them drain the swamp, uh, you know, very simple, make America great again, very simple lines, very simple rhetoric, extremely consumable. And Hillary Clinton was perhaps too nuanced, perhaps too complex, or perhaps her economic plans weren't going to benefit them. And uh, and she was and she couldn't find a way uh, to navigate that and, uh, and and make and spin it. In a way that would make people, uh, the working class individuals of those states, uh, uh, support her. Um, So she goes on. This is about misogyny, rather. Yes, I do think it played a role. I think uh, other things did as well. Every day that goes by, we find out more about the unprecedented interference, including from a foreign power whose leader is not a member of my fan club. Of course, that person uh, being Vladimir Putin. And there is no better d- uh, definition of, the, uh, of misogyny than Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I mean, the man rides uh, bears shirtless. And not the, the bear has a shirt on. <laughs> but Vladimir Putin does not. So she is, and of course, uh, as we've talked about before, the reason that Vladimir Putin did not like her, she was the one who called his election, his re-election a sham. Uh, of course, Hillary Clinton's the one who went in there and got Gaddafi out of Libya. And so she was uh, not hesitant to go take strong men out. Mm-hmm. And you get the feeling that Vladimir Putin, he had a personal disdain for her uh, and perhaps a uh, a concern that she would oust him as the leader of Russia. So naturally, he's going to go with uh, with Donald Trump. The Chinese, on the other hand, uh, there is no real indication that they meddled in the election, although all foreign we all everyone's meddling. Yeah. Everyone's in everything. But of course, the Chinese probably would have liked to see Hillary Clinton because yeah. uh, Donald Trump was on the campaign trail calling them con- currency manipulators and the whole series of things. And so came back on that. When, yeah, he is back. He's, now they're good people because yeah. look what they're doing with <laughs> us in North Korea. They're good people. You know, these these foreign powers, these these nations, of course, they, they pick sides in a United States election and they pick sides um, depending on what the rhetoric is coming from each campaign. And so naturally, uh, the Russians would choose somebody like Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. I, I mean, I have I have some sympathy for Hillary. It was I mean, I, I just wish that their campaign uh, could have been run a little bit better. And I still think that the email scandal, they, they could have uh, overcome it um, if they would have just really embraced that grassroots 
uh, of the Democratic Party. But yeah. that's just my opinion. Didn't. Uh, I, I, it is kind of ironic, though. A lot of people now in the Democratic Party are just requesting that she shut up and go away. And I think that is a little bit uh, a little bit rude as well in many ways because they they're more than happy to hear Bernie Sanders speak. And there was a huge contingency in the Democratic Party uh, that believed that Bernie Sanders completely screwed over Hillary Clinton and he did no good for this country whatsoever. And they blame uh, the victory of Donald Trump on uh, Bernie Sanders himself because yeah. the people he just did quite frankly too good of a job at getting <laughs> at, at getting and winning people uh, people's wa- hearts and minds. People wanted him too much. They did. They did. It's just uh, we just really liked him too much. We didn't want their precious Hillary uh, and so it's our fault. They've got to change the way that they do it and uh and yes anyway so let's go on uh, just briefly here marcus do we have something about the comey uh hearings uh not a whole lot i mean we have that he is he says he's mildly nauseous about his potential impact on the election mildly nauseous mildly nauseous that's not so bad <laughs> he says look this was terrible it makes me mildly nauseous to think that we might have had some impact on the election but honestly it wouldn't change the decision man I hmm. really wish that the Wiener documentary would have come out like two years later because Anthony Wiener completely fucking up the 2016 presidential election right. would have mean, made the best possible epilogue to that movie that there could have been. <laughs> uh, for those that don't know or haven't seen it yet, the documentary Wiener is a must-see. And uh, as I run for Brooklyn Borough president, um, I'm going to desperately try to avoid that. <laughs> Because that was a nightmare. She's going to really try not to have uh, uh, flings on the internet with 13-year-old women. Oh, God. Or girls, not women. Stay away from women with the last name Leathers, please. Yes. yeah. Porn stars, believe it or not, might have something in their own interest. Might. That you know that might, might do. in their best interest, and it might not be in your best interest. But to back up what I was saying regarding uh, Hillary, David Axelrod, um, of course, he was the man who uh, was behind Barack Obama. Uh, he fired back at Clinton, and he said Comey did not tell her to not campaign uh, in Wisconsin. So there's a lot of finger blaming, a lot of finger pointing going on uh, uh, this week regarding the 2016 campaign. And you know what? I think we should just make a promise to never talk about it again because what can we do now, huh? Yeah, there's okay. nothing to be done about it. There's nothing to be done. Uh, Hillary's um, writing a book. She's trying to save a little face, and it was really unfortunate. And I do understand people who have, uh, who are absolutely crushed because we had a for the first time in American history a woman on on the top of a ticket, and, and how monumental uh, that is, and, and and how wonderful that would be to have a female president. Um, and I so I get it. Uh, the the rug was pulled out of a, uh, under uh, from a lot of people, and. Um, and it was really sad. But we're seeing now the grassroots of the Democratic Party uh, pop up on a regular basis. Women seem to be more motivated than ever politically. Hey, I'm and, gearing up uh, for President Gabbard. President Gabbard. Some people, uh, there was a woman who emailed me or said there's some random immigration thing that they didn't like about her. Every politician is going to have something you don't like about them. Joe yeah. Biden was one of the uh, original authors of the Patriot Act, or at least one of the very early drafts of the Patriot Act. I still like Joe Biden. I still, still like would Joe so Biden. much rather have Joe Biden than Donald Trump as president right now. Yeah. Uh, every politician, if they're there long enough, then yeah, they're going to have shit that you're not going to like, but they're well, you not perfect. To. You're not supposed to love them. Well, the thing with politics is yes or no votes, they're very binary decisions, and yeah. there's a lot of things that go into those decisions, and yes or no, uh, it, there's a huge scale uh, it's not just, you know, it, it's just very difficult to, to have uh, what 
you know, one person's perfect. It's like picking um, uh, a, a perfect NCAA tournament chart. It's mm-hmm. impossible to do. Yeah. Uh, there's always going to be a few things that you, that you might not agree with. and Or maybe you just don't have a firm understanding of why they voted the way they did, or perhaps they didn't have a firm understanding uh, when they voted or things like that. Of course, Joe Biden during the Clarence Thomas hearings was no saint either. No, he was uh, not. Oh, my God. Yeah. What he, he, got uh, a little, he definitely got a little uh, rough Yes, there. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah, he acted like a bit of a piece of shit on that one. Yes, he um, did. Well, that was a tough predicament. That was actually a straight, uh, a very smart move going with Clarence Thomas, uh, because uh, obviously being the first, uh, yes, I believe the first, uh, yeah, the first nope, black, Thurgood, not, Thurgood Marshall uh, was before him. Thurgood Marshall, it's huh? <laughs> a heck of a name. That's right. Okay. Well, either way, it put uh, it put everyone in a in a, t- in a pickle. Mm-hmm. to say the least, but he could have acted better uh, during those hearings, to say the least, as well. Um, all right, well, I think that's basically the news of the week. Um, I'll do a dumpster fire chat here as well and answer some questions. The Stephen Colbert stuff, uh, that'll be just be done and everyone benefited. Mm-hmm. I think his ratings are up and everything is fine. His rating, I mean, he's he's killing Fallon, as uh, well as he should. Yeah, I think he's a he's. Uh, I don't know. They're both fine. I'll be on your show. I'll go on your show. Why not? Um, and then yes, again the uh, the Democrats trying to uh, trying to make uh, Donald Trump have congressional uh, approval if using nuclear uh, warfare. Uh, Hillary Clinton is back. We'll see if uh, you know. We'll see how long she sticks it out in the public eye. Uh, she's waited, you know, I guess a fairly good amount of time for a Clinton. Uh, they they tend to seek the public eye fairly quickly. She's writing a book, so I'm sure that will be interesting. Uh, Anthony Weiner, uh, the scandal was big than we ever could have imagined. It was a funny joke in the beginning. It really was. Uh, when he was on, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell's show, I believe, or maybe Chris Matthews on MSNBC talking about how Chris it's a Matthews. joke on my name, the wiener, mm-hmm. you get it, and it led to the downfall or potential downfall. Pause. It certainly didn't help uh, the Clinton campaign whatsoever. It was the final nail. It really like was. That, without, without that, I think, well, I mean, I really do think she had a point. Without that, I think they no, would she have, does they have, would have survived. Like, I think I, w- without that, she would have won. But uh, It was a it perfect was, storm of events. It was a perfect storm. I mean, but it was because of their own incompetency that something that small sunk them. Yeah. Uh, that that was the last po- that was the last thing. They, they could have, if that was the only scandal they had, the only, if that would have been the October surprise and that was the only thing they had going wrong for them, then yeah, that would have been nothing. Yep. But Bernie, that was just the last yeah. thing. Bernie could have dropped out a little bit earlier, tried to more actively court his followers into her camp. Uh, you know, again, the campaign schedule should have been completely different. The fainting situation that happened on the world mm-hmm. uh, at uh, at the WTC was that wasn't good. Uh, I mean, it was. It was a rough. I mean, but campaigning for president's the hardest thing a human being can do. And as we talked about all last year, and this is the final time we're going to talk about it, these are elderly people. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine being 68, 69 years old? Or Bernie Sanders in Bernie Sanders' case, what was he, 74 years old? Pretty old. Uh, doing a doing a full-on 18-month Motley Crew. That's my go-to band. I have yeah. no idea why. I don't even listen to Motley yeah, Crew. I know. I don't know why I always mention Motley Crew. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you're on a full band tour. Uh, in front of huge crowds, and you know we go on the we go on the road now, and we get ex- I'm exhausted still from L.A. Yeah, you know, uh, so it's not easy, and uh, and it's got to be really difficult to do all that work, and then on one day, just nothing. Yeah, yeah you know that's the in- that's the most fascinating thing about politics is that you are going to be either the most powerful person in the world or you're going to be a nobody, um, and it just uh, it just takes one one day to prove it. 
Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, let's see. My platform is up on BK for BK. Um, so go to BK for BK. The words for uh, F O R spelled out. BK dot com. Uh, that'll be really fun. And I think we got some good endorsements. Marcus hasn't endorsed yet, but he's going to be the big endorsement. I'm waiting. Uh, yeah, he's waiting. So when we get Marcus <laughs> on board, I mean, we are looking at we're looking at five percent here, people. I've, I've got demands. The Marcus Parks push is going to be big. <laughs> Hopefully, it comes in September. Uh, Marcus does have some demands, and he's been telling me slowly what they are. Um, but I think they will benefit the campaign greatly um anyways so uh thank you guys so much for all your support regarding that and thanks everyone who came out in los angeles and we can't wait to see everyone for our live shows in texas oh can't wait for texas man we'll see y'all there i heard everything is bigger in texas so i'll just be normal size yeah actually there are quite a few large men about your size really yeah i'm not gonna say anything to them (laughs) i don't i don't mess with big guys like that people in texas are big as fuck yeah, well, thank you for your service. A lot of that. <laughs> Whatever it is that they do. Um, find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks and uh, Instagram at Marcus Parks. I'm Instagram at Ben Kissel one And today I found out how to do messages. On what? Instagram? On Instagram. I found out how to find them. It's that little uh, button up top with the number next to it. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I, I hate the way it's set up. Um, and then, of course, find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel. That's my main. I, I just like Twitter the best. It's just the I, I just like the uh, the one on one communication uh, helps me stay focused as opposed to Facebook, which I've been trying to dabble back into because people have been requesting. It's just so much. Yeah. So um, I've, and, I've uh, been out of Facebook for about a month now. It's just a lot for me to handle. I, I just never, don't have time. It's a know? lot of time. It's, it's yeah. Facebook is a huge time suck. And it, it's. Just fucking awful. There it is. All right. Well, hopefully uh, we covered a couple of stories that weren't covered. I think that nuclear issue is very important and should be talked about more and should be on the cover of the newspapers as opposed to uh, Stephen Colbert. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. 